Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. How are you going, Alicia? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's first one. Uh, no, it's the last one. Last one of the year. The last, last one, one of the year. For 2020. How exciting. I think everyone's really keen to just get into 2021. Yes, 100%. I'll start off with what's got my attention this week. I started thinking about subscription video on demand, or as apparently we're now calling it, SVOD. And it got me wondering how long it's going to take before these types of platforms start having advertising. So I'm talking about platforms like Netflix, Hulu, Stan, if you're in Australia, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. Gosh, there's so many now. Anyway, I ended up down a massive rabbit hole researching about Netflix and their business model and how they market And I found in 2019, they said, when you read speculation that we are moving into selling advertising, be confident that this is false. We believe that we will have a more valuable business in the long term by staying out of competing for ad revenue and instead entirely focusing on competing for viewer satisfaction. So it got me thinking, they obviously make their money through subscriptions, but surely they're going to start cracking down on things like password sharing soon. So for example... I pay for Stan and Spotify. My sister pays for Disney Plus and Netflix. And my mum and dad pay for KO, which is live sport. And we all share each other's logins. So surely they're going to start cracking down on that soon. And you're going to have to assign a device to your accounts, kind of like you do with um, Adobe Creative Cloud. Mm -hmm. So then if you want to use a different device, if you've used your quota, say it's three devices, you've got to sign out of one and register it with another one. Mm. Um, So I think we're probably going to get to that stage soon because they Mm. obviously do understand that people do that password sharing. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, The subscription satisfaction seems to just be what they're focusing on at the moment. And I gather um, they're hoping that they keep delivering what the subscribers want and therefore money will be money will not be an issue for them, for the subscribers, because they won't be able to live without it. That's essentially what the, what they're trying to create for this platform. So, for instance, um, the subscribers don't wait a week to watch each episode, so they release all episodes of the series straight up. So here's the point of difference. There's the audience delight, and there you have loyal subscribers. So no matter how much they keep putting it up, putting it up, people aren't going to stop stop using it. In regards to the sharing of the um, passwords, definitely. I actually can't believe that some of the major SVOD platforms haven't gotten onto this earlier like what Adobe does. Um, yeah. Adobe has has had it nailed from, gosh, I reckon since 2005. You know, they have always been so onto it with being able to share um, Adobe software. So I can see this happening with these as well. Definitely. And I think it's um, important to note that although they don't have external advertisers on Netflix, Netflix themselves advertise on their platform. They just use it to advertise their own product, their own content. 
but because it's personalized and unintrusive, users don't think twice about it. So if you think about your Netflix, um, you know, homepage, if you like, a lot of that is prioritized as Netflix content. They're not going to prioritize other people's content. They're going to prioritize their own that they make. And so, um, and then if you think about, um, I think if you leave Netflix just stagnant for a while, it'll come up with all those just um, promo reels. Mm. And again, that's another form of advertising. But it's just not external advertising and it's not intrusive. So you don't really think about it as as that as such. But it's it's no mistake that most of the shows you've been watching on Netflix say made by Netflix. Like yeah. there is no mistake that that's up the top and everything else that's not made by Netflix is buried at the bottom. Um, this article in Gorilla 360 says they also know where their audiences hang out. They understand how millennials use the internet, so they use online marketing. They promote on social networks. They use native advertising. They set up giant umbrellas on Australian beaches and, passion- and passionately campaign for social justice, equality, and diversity. Content recommendation platform Outbrain has the lowdown. So that you can have a look at that article and read a bit more about that, but they definitely, um, they definitely engage in a clever clever way yeah i think that um umbrella on the beach was actually in merriweather beach in new south wales actually for the umbrella academy oh cool yeah there's no um old stakeholders here that are telling them <laughs> we must only spend on on <laughs> on channel 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously no. um they know how many people are watching streaming tv so if they're watching streaming tv where are they not yeah exactly on free and- tv <laughs> I think there's not there's not too many brands that have like fundamentally changed an industry, but Netflix obviously have. And I like what that same article you're talking about, the Gorilla 361, they said Netflix is to TV what iTunes is to music. For so long, record companies held the power, CD sales were in control. All of a sudden, iPod and MP3 downloads happened. People could find their music online until someone provided a service with efficiency and convenience. Music fan used this new technology illegally iTunes stepped in and those same users were happy to pay. The TV market's needs have changed, but the industry had not. They also go on to say that an Omnicom Media Group study showed that 47% of millennials don't watch any video on television, just like you were saying, Alicia. And the consumers of tomorrow spend more time ever than before engaged with media. It just so happens they prefer to consume it online. And these guys also are used to that. I get what I want internet, which means they won't cop interruptive ads. So I think they're just basically saying the nature of the advertising has changed as well. They're no longer interruptive. You probably get them like say YouTube, for example, you get your ads kind of before and after your content, not necessarily during. Yeah. And this is where I think marketers just need to be clever. It's been happening for a long time. No one watches TV anymore, I say Netflix, without having another screen. Dual screen is just the way it goes. They're even saying it's triple screen now. So not only will you, if you have Netflix up on the on the main TV, you have the computer on, laptop on, and your phone. So they're saying that, or if you have it on your computer, you might have your iPad and your phone. Like it's just literally nothing is simultaneous, like single screen anymore. So therefore, if people are watching Netflix where you can be online on platforms. You've just got to think, yeah, you've just got to be clever about grabbing that audience's attention rather than being on TV where they're not because they're on Netflix. And looking more at content marketing too. Exactly. Like even some of the bigger TV shows, you can see that they've got product placements within within the shows themselves. Mm. Um, And you can tell like, you know, I think some of them have been like the – 
the Surface Pro. You can mm. tell that they've given them a few Surface Pros and they've they've gotten that second of footage of that um, person, whoever's mm. in the show, using it mm. and things like that. So content marketing has to get a lot cleverer basically mm. in order mm. to reach people. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, that's probably a way Netflix will – and I haven't done a lot of reading on how much they do to date, but that's another avenue stream for them massively. Product yes. placement, yeah. yes. So, um, and I'm sure it's, I'm sure they are well and truly onto it. Yeah, and I was doing a little bit of reading that um, partnerships is another one as well for them, like in terms of um, the TV manufacturers and things like that. So, um, like the TVs that Netflix is already installed oh, on and course. things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of other avenues for them than just subscriptions, and I'm sure they're exploring them. Wow, it's just the beginning, isn't it? For sure. Okay, what's got my attention this week is actually an article around PR. So the article is called Six Tips of, of, for Marketers to Understand the Best PR Tactics to Use for Your Story Idea in Marketing Mag by Catherine Van Kuyk, the co-founder and PR director of MediaWise. The, the article breaks down six common PR tactics and why it grabbed my attention was I actually thought it could help us marketers with our social media the reason I was thinking this is because social media is so PR. It's when you're creating your content plan, you're essentially creating a PR plan because you're having to come up with content around all these different um, all these different topics that I'm about to go into. So social media, but we call it over here at Marketing That Matters, we call it topical media. Um, it's quickly turned us into wannabe, have-to-be PR gurus. So to create engaging, cut-through content on our social channels, we need to suddenly be quick to be constantly thinking about how to engage um, our brand. So three tactics that caught my eye were opinion pieces, um, customer stories, and trend prediction commentary. So, Jade, what do you think about this? I just had a bit of a, um, what's the word, epiphany when you said that <laughs> social media is basically PR and you're so right mm. because you're just developing content that's current and relevant and that's pretty much what PR is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this article is absolutely fantastic. I agree with you about the um, six topics that she talks about, although I do sometimes think that the press release is still a little bit dead. Yeah, um, she still mentions that, but I feel like, you know, that's a little, still a little bit behind the times, but I loved the idea of issue jacking. Um, whereas I suppose for any of, any of you are not understanding what that means, it's, pro- it's basically just where she's saying, you know, if uh, there's an issue and everyone kind of jumps on with their, their take on it, basically with social media though, I feel like that can get overused and influencers sometimes hijack the current affairs for their own reach rather than actually caring about the matter. So I feel like issue jacking is a thing, but I feel like you have to be quite authentic with it and make sure it's relevant for you oh, as well, a brand. The, totally. Well, there. I feel like we've spoken about this before of when to have your voice. Yes. Um, but again, it is a it is very it is a very good way of being present in a in a relevant. Um, topic and exactly why social media has the best connections is when you're you're present in a topic that you do have a voice in and um, if you have an opinion and your brand it's your brand can be in that space it's a it's a fantastic way to create meaningful content and create connections another um another point she made was opinion pieces so the emphasis is on having an opinion or sharing advice from an industry expert so 
if you have an industry expert relating to your product or brand, having them on there to explain, um, um, you know, just give some value around um, and some commentary. Another one is customer stories, which we're, we are all completely, um, we know it's a great way to create content. This can involve um, interviews, content how working with your organization has added value to their business and providing a customer use um, use case testimonial. So just having customer stories are fantastic and, you know, making sure you utilize that. And trend prediction commentary. I thought that was awesome. So what are the trends in your industry and actually commentating on that? So that's another good way to build your content. Yeah, definitely. I think this article is great for anyone who feels like PR is just about having a, a party or an event and that's it. This article is a real good read just for you to understand some of the other ways that you can get your business involved in PR um, that you might not have thought about. Exactly. If you're um, if you're having this commentary on your own platforms and you're finding you've got some really good, um, you're getting some good um, coverage on it, there's, there, there's, no why, there's no reason why you couldn't um, connect with a local media outlet and share that because to be honest, you'll be surprised at what they pick up and it just adds to your reach. Yep, definitely. Definitely worth a read. Our purpose-led brand this week is Who Gives a Crap, which was founded in 2012 with a goal to help 2.4 billion people globally who don't have access to a toilet. While sanitation and toilets aren't the sexiest topics to discuss or the first to be funded, the brand set out to change that through selling a product people need, toilet paper. So not only does the brand donate 50% of its profits to building toilets in the developing world, but it is also environmentally friendly, which Jade and I love. Yes. Now, what did you think of this brand, Jade? It's very purpose-driven brand. Oh, yes. And you know what was really refreshing is it's the only purpose and for good element they talk about and how many brands yeah how many brands have we looked at recently and they're trying to push all these different things they only talk about selling toilet paper and providing proper sanitation that they do from selling the toilet paper that's all they talk about and it's so refreshing because they're only focusing on that and they're doing it really really well Mm. and i love that the name lends itself to the purpose too because they give a crap (laughs) they also do branding really well it's basic and down to earth and the design is simple, but you want it to be basic when all they care about is how they're actually contributing to the world. So you could, it would feel a bit inauthentic, I guess, if they had this really fancy design toilet paper and things like that. And then they were talking about then how they were giving back because they're obviously spending a lot of money on those kind of things. And then obviously, yeah, and then obviously not on the toilet. So I think that's, they've done that really well. And I think this is another example great example of how copywriting can really show the brand personality. For example, on their website, it says, sure, we love puppies and sunny days and walks on the beach, but our real love is toilet paper. Why, you might ask? First of all, it's funny. Lots of room for toilet jokes, which we love. So it's just an example that if you go on their website, you get this across everything through the imagery, through the design, Uh, through the copy. Yeah, I feel like I know the three guys. You know, they've got pictures of their founders on there and even just through all their copy, I'm like, oh, I know you. I feel like I would go up and have a chat with them if I saw them because because their their copy is so relatable. Um, What I also liked is on the homepage, as soon as you jump on, there's three key sliders on the main homepage and they just have each of them addresses a pain point. The first slider shows how much they just raised. First pain point. Okay, you're saying you're doing something. What have you done? 
Nice, big, clear. That's all they said. Yep. Second slider shows how your money helps. All right, this is what we've raised. This is how it goes. This is where it goes. I'm sick of having people put up how we do this and then you try and find where, how, and it's just buried somewhere in the website or it's there's so much around the context. No, people just want to know how much, where it's going. Fantastic. Show me where to buy. Yeah. That is it. Let's just simplify this. Definitely. Um, I think the social media content is fantastic, um, but I th- the only flaw I found was that customer service was lacking a little bit there in terms of people leaving comments, asking questions, right. and the ones I seen hadn't hadn't been replied to. Fent- I'm wondering if that's because of COVID. They've probably grown so quickly with well, the toilet paper shortage. Yeah, that that's possibly um, an issue there. And they also had the same content on each platform. Which I know that frustrates us both all the time. If you're on one platform like Facebook or Instagram, you're on there for a reason. The content should be different per platform based on the users there. And I feel like their socials lacked a little bit of personality. So like you said, Alicia, you felt like you knew those founders by looking at the website and you go and talk to them. That kind of personality and um, personal aspect doesn't really come through on the social media as much as it did on their website, which I I think is something they could work on. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, it is, it is funny if you're thinking about this brand obviously has had the best year because what have we been panic buying? (laughs) Toilet paper. So, um, the who gives a grab CEO and co-founder Simon Griffiths says that, um, the brand began to see sales elevate quickly from the start of March with its online store doing 30 to 40 times a regular day in sales. Wow. (laughs) At their peak, they were selling 28 rolls of toilet paper every second, which is mind-boggling to think about what they would look like as a supermarket environment. 28 rolls a second. So that literally wouldn't be able to even happen in a supermarket because you couldn't put 28 rolls of soup through a checkout. No. <laughs> so they could they could on an online platform. So, yes, they have had a massive year. Yep. And I liked in that same article they said that um, to help with that, they turned on an email sign-up so you could find out when they were back in stock. And they said they'd get it. They thought they'd get a few thousand people on that wait list, and they ended up with more than half a million people. You're half kidding. a million people waiting for toilet paper. Oh my gosh! What even is twenty twenty? Seriously, let's just say goodbye. Well, good. They 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 loved it, but we didn't. <laughs> the thing that made me more productive this week, I remembered, is a copywriting course that I did a few years ago. I did their Adma copywriting course. And if you're a marketing manager that does some writing or you're a business owner and you write all the copy for your business, this course is great to get your confidence in copywriting. From writing blogs to headlines for your website, their tools in the course will really, really help. And I highly, highly recommend having a look. My advice this week is just using Google Drive. Instead of sending multiple Word docs and PDFs with comments on them, etc., you can literally just have... Um, any of the files within Google Drive and send it around to your clients or your um, all your different suppliers and have them comment or um, yeah use multiple um, multiple people can work on the same doc live time so no more emails back and forth um, you literally just comment at tag them on the on the page. Well, that's it from Jaden myself. Um, for this year guys have a great christmas and we'll be back in the new year to talk a lot about purpose-led dr- brands and um 
Yeah, have fun with you all. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you in 2021. Merry Christmas. That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast.